Do you want to grow more in love with Jesus? How about growing more in love with yourself? If so, then this is the podcast for you. Join your host, Caitlin Ryan, on Grasping Grace as we navigate conversations that allow you to grow deeper in intimacy with Jesus while growing in love with who He has called you to be. Grab your coffee, grab your Bible, and let's get into this week's episode. What's up? What's up? What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. For those of you who are new here, my name is Caitlin Ryan, and I am the host of Grasping Grace podcast, and I'm really excited for you to be listening in on this week. If you don't mind, give me a like, give me a follow, let me know how you're listening, what you think, follow me on Instagram, like my page on Facebook, all the fun stuff. So last week, I talked about what do you do when you don't know what to do. And I talked about the heart of prayer and uh, fervently praying. Um, And this week, I'm kind of touching base right along the same thing, just a little bit, but not really, um, of just some things that have kind of laid on my heart. Because I feel like the Lord is really on this, and I feel like a lot of people need to have grace for themselves in this process. Um, And again, I am only talking about things that I know from personal experience for myself, things that I've gone through, and things that I'm going through. So you're literally walking with me on this journey. So there are a lot of times where I receive a compliment about how people love my fearlessness or my boldness or they love my walk with Jesus and how it um, inspires them. Firstly, I want to note how much I suck. That's a big S-U-C-K. I suck at receiving compliments. I really do. Um, I turn into a big ball of awkward when I get a compliment and the nicest way possible. (laughs) Um, The Lord has been teaching me how to receive and in things like that, where they're talking about my walk with the Lord or, you know, Jesus. um, I have to realize that it's not even about me. It's about the Lord that they see in me. Right. But I'm a big ball of awkward when I get complimented. Um, But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I have to shift my focus a lot when they're saying stuff like that. And I have to obviously return that with a thank you very much. (laughs) I really appreciate it because they recognize Jesus in me and not just me. But oftentimes I think about what others see that I don't see in myself. Do you ever just get to a place where somebody is saying something about you and you're like, man, I don't see that in me at all or I don't believe that in me at all like I don't see that I'm not this I'm not that like who are they talking about because it ain't me like if you can totally relate to that I'm here with you I am here with you in that because there's a lot of times where people say those things and they're like you're so bold and you're so fearless and this and that and I'm like what (laughs) where (laughs) like where and I struggle with believing in myself sometimes uh, from that aspect and and feeling qualified 
and the things that Jesus has for me and has called me to do. And for so long, I would find myself in positions of, I really love Jesus, but I don't do well with believing in me. I really love Jesus, but I don't feel brave. I really love Jesus, but I feel lonely a lot of the times. I really love Jesus, but there's always that but, right? I find myself in those positions. And in that, I would feel like a failure. Have you ever like put an unrealistic expectation on yourself as to where like, for me, my mind was so performance driven at one point that I would put unrealistic expectations on myself. So like in my years of addiction, when I was getting sober and people would always look at me as if I was still this failure, as if I was still this addict, as if I was still this person that was still using drugs, they would look at me like that. And I would unrealistically put an expectation on myself that as if I had something to prove to them, right? As if I had to prove to them that I wasn't that person anymore. And then I would put this expectation on myself and when I didn't meet that self-expectation, look, I'm not saying that all, all of these are bad when you do that, um, but you have to learn how to have grace for yourself if you don't meet the mark every single time, right? And so I would put this on myself, and when I wouldn't meet it, I would feel like a total failure. You know, it's preached about how you shouldn't feel this, or you shouldn't be riddled with anxiety, and you shouldn't be depressed, or this or that. And all of that is true, yes, but in the same sense, if you are experiencing those feelings, don't find yourself a failure in that. Obviously, there's some things that you need to work at. And so when you find yourself failing or feeling like a failure because you're experiencing those things, that's where it's an unhealthy, unrealistic expectation because you are still human, right? And so I would find myself in this place again all of the time. Um, and people would, you know, say these things and I would be like, I just, I just shouldn't feel this way inside. I shouldn't feel this way. I, I'm, I shouldn't feel weak when I'm supposed to be powerful. You know, I'm mighty. I, I just shouldn't feel the way that I'm feeling. And in this, it caused a lot of tension for me because of this very struggle, like because of this very thing. Because I would sit in my room at night and cry. And it would just become this emotional roller coaster for me. And I would struggle with fear and feeling unqualified. And I would, I would have this tension that I would wrestle with. And, and I, I would wrestle with myself constantly. And I believe that we as the body of Christ and the church do not do well in addressing these types of situations. Personally, I feel that this is one of the areas that we can improve in. Um, not everybody will agree with me in that and that's perfectly fine. But I'm here to talk about the stuff that I feel like the church can do better at. So that's why we're here. But <laughs> But I feel like this is something that the church can do better at addressing. Some would say that you would need deliverance, right? Well, yes, there are things that you need to be delivered from. And you being yourself is one of those things. But if you're going through one single moment of loneliness, 
and then somebody says, oh, you need deliverance. Well, then you begin to spiral and you begin to go, oh my God, all of these things are wrong with me. I have a demon. I'm possessed. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have demons. I shouldn't. What? I need deliverance. And you could just like, it just begins to spiral or some would shut you down and say that you're lacking in this and that. And then they would put shame on you in that process. Like, oh, wow, you just really shouldn't be feeling these things. Like, are you sure like you're really saved? Look, I I personally don't know anyone that said that to me, but I have heard. I have heard of instances where someone has said that to somebody. (laughs) And I was like, wow, you're really going to ask them that? Like, if they're just feeling a little lonely, you're asking them if they're really saved? Like, come on church, this is what I feel like we need to do better at. You can send someone down a constant downward spiral by being too overly religious. Let me give you an example from my own personal walk. I've sat underneath leaders and I'm not going to mention where or who or when, but I've sat underneath leaders and I've came to them about certain things that I'd be experiencing at times. And when I would come to them about these things, I would get met with the response of you'll be fine or you'll be okay. Well, like I knew I would be okay. But in that moment, I didn't need to hear you'll be okay. In that moment, I didn't need to hear you'll be fine. Um, that doesn't help anyone in the, in the now moment. That doesn't help anyone in the now moment. Um, If someone's coming to you and they're saying, hey, I'm experiencing this and you respond with, you'll be fine. Yeah, they will be. But that doesn't that doesn't help now. (laughs) We need to figure out what's going on now. So that way they know when this feeling comes back again, because nine times out of ten, it likely will. It'll try to resurface. The enemy will try to play with you with it. They can go, oh, these are the tools that somebody gave me and I'm able to utilize them instead of partnering with that lie. They don't need to be told that they're going to be okay right in that moment and just you walk away from them. Random tangent. I've even came to some leadership and was like, hey, I'm experiencing these things. And they've even turned around and said that I've had a performance issue. Well, I knew at one point in my life I did have a performance issue, but this didn't feel like a a part that I was performing in. And that response sent me into a whirlwind of emotions. It sent me into a place where I went digging for an issue that just simply was not there. And responses like that, again especially if you're in leadership of the church, it can be extremely detrimental to the person's walk. The Lord talks about not causing your brother to stumble. And you could absolutely have the very best intention of saying those things, but you have to be sensitive and mindful of that and what you're saying because you can just cause them to stumble completely. I've I've met people that have walked away from the Lord just because of a simple response for that. I have experienced so much church hurt because of responses that are insensitive like that. Let's just be mindful of how we're wording things and saying things and how to better put on the lens of Jesus 
see him rightly so we can see others the way that he sees them. You know, the church talks a lot about feelings and how we shouldn't pay attention to our feelings and stuff like that. Um, Whereas for me, I feel like feelings are important, but there's some, some things that you need to know practically about your feelings. Um, And I wish that someone would have told me this from the beginning, even before my Christian walk, I wish someone would have told me this (laughs) and they they didn't. And I got called a drama queen all the time (laughs) because nobody gave me this practical, very, very practical information. So I'm going to share that with you. Number one, feelings are not facts. Let me say that again. Feelings are not facts. But they are meant to be felt. If you're buying into a lie, and I say that with quotation marks, that you're feeling, as in, I'm a failure, I'm unqualified, I'm not worthy of love, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm that. Those are lies. If you're buying into the lie of that thing that you're feeling, you have to know who it is coming from. Number two. Feelings have something to teach us. I've talked about this before. They hold important information that can absolutely lead you to breakthrough. Number three, feelings aren't good or bad. Feeling them, that is. Okay. Feeling feelings are not good or bad. They just are. And in that, we know that they are not permanent Feelings come and go. If you are feeling lonely, you have to know that you're not going to feel lonely forever. It may feel like an eternity of loneliness, but it is not permanent. You know, I have been in moments in my walk where it felt like the weight of the world was sitting on my chest. I want to emphasize the word felt there felt like the weight of the world was sitting on my chest and it felt like there was no way that I was going to be able to get through that season of of my life emphasize the word felt there and then I did and the weight lifted you see what I'm saying feelings are not permanent by any means they come and go the main thing that we must know is that feelings are not a label or identity. I said identity really proper. <laughs> oh, I never pronunciate words that well. Pronunciate, pronounce, you see? I, I, identity. I normally am like identity. <laughs> Feelings are not a label or identity. They do not define who you are and what you are capable of. As a youth pastor, I have some kids in my youth that are bold as lions. I mean, they are so bold and they feel like they are not. And I can totally relate to that. I really can. But because they're feeling like they're not, they have to understand that it isn't actually who they are. And it doesn't define what they're capable of 
if we see them rightly, we see Jesus rightly, and we see them through the lens of Jesus, we're able to uplift, encourage them in a way that pushes them into purpose and destiny. It pushes them into seeing what they actually are capable of and who they are. Um, You always want to call out the golden somebody. We talk about this a lot in the prophetic ministry, calling out the golden people. I am an encourager at heart. I love to celebrate people. I love to cheer you on. I'll be your biggest fan. Um, But I'm also a pusher. And so I want to push you into your purpose and push you into your destiny and have you see who you are and what you're actually capable of. And if we uh, adopt the belief system that feelings are forever when they're not, you know, you lower yourself in that aspect. And God has called you up higher. He's called you to live from the heavenlies. Remember, I talked about that. You can visit that in some of my previous episodes. We can see many people in the Bible who wrestled with feelings. But these people in the Bible knew that that did not define them as men and women of God. In all this, we have to get settled in our identity. And I believe... (laughs) I did it again. That's so weird. (laughs) I believe that feelings actually give us the opportunity to see where we are at in those moments so we can get settled even if we try to wrestle with them. In this, I'm reminded of Jacob in Genesis 32, 22 through 28. I'm actually going to read that to you. The same night he arose and took his two wives and his female servant and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Grace on me for that word. I don't know if I actually pronounced that right. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that they had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled with him again. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. So Jacob is having conversations with this man, right? And he says, My name's Jacob. And then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striv- for you have striven, for you have fought with God <laughs> and men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name, and he said, Why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, and he passed Penuel limping because of his hip. I'm reminded in this passage that feelings are not our identity. And it talks about he wrestled with a man. Now that passage, at the top of that verse, is titled, Jacob Wrestles with God. It's more than that. Like, I believe that Jacob did wrestle with the Lord. But he says he wrestled with a man. And Damon Thompson broke this down so beautifully. It literally, it like blew 
my mind. Um, but he says he wrestled with a man. And in that, we see this moment where Jacob wrestles with himself. He wrestled with his identity. You see, because that man said, you will no longer be called Jacob, for you will be called Israel. And you can see right before that, there was a wrestling match that happened. Jacob wrestled with who he was called to be. He wrestled with his purpose. He wrestled with his destiny. He wrestled with his identity. And I began to think about this. I began to think about the simplicity of Jesus and how simple it is to just live in submission and saying, you know what, I'm actually not going to fight with this because there's no way that I'm going to win. There's no way that I'm going to prevail. And I don't, I don't actually want to walk around wounded because I wrestled with it. I want to walk around whole. I want to walk around full. I want to walk around healed. And I begin to think about the simplicity of Jesus and how easy it would be to just say yes. Like the gospel's easy and stepping into full surrender is actually really easy. We may feel like it's the most difficult thing in the world because we're having to give up things that we don't want to give up or we're having to say and do things that we don't really want to do. Or don't feel like it's, you know, all of these things are really hard. They're very real things. But again, they're all feelings. If you count that, I said feel a lot in there. They're not permanent. And I think about all the time in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God right in the beginning of, of John. In the beginning was Jesus. It was always Jesus. It will always be Jesus. And so it takes this unnecessary pressure and this unnecessary weight off of me that it's always been him. It'll always be him. So it's never really about you anyways. So when you take your hands off of it and you stop wrestling with yourself and your identity and you just say yes to it and just step into it, you get this unnecessary pressure and this unnecessary expectation that you put on yourself lifted off of you completely. And you talk about being able to stretch, <laughs> stretch good, breathe good, feel good, because you're walking in your purpose. I was reflecting on Psalms 23 in the Passion Translation. I'm also going to read that to you. It's so beautiful. The Passion Translation, it's not actually a translation. It's an interpretation, but I find it beautiful. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. And even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me 
with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. And you give me all I can drink until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursues me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and forever be with you. I want to go back to that part where it says, and fear cannot conquer me because you already have. When I read that part, it ruined me. (laughs) Straight ruined me. And when I think about Jacob wrestling with his identity, when I think about feeling all of these feelings and realizing that they're not permanent, because when you feel things, it can cause a lot of fear. And realizing that they're not permanent. And realizing that feelings are not factual. Realizing all of these things. That part where it says fear cannot conquer me. Because you already have. Because you're already in full submission. This is why I say it's so important to release the weight. The re- to release the pressure off of yourself so that way you can walk in full surrender and full submission and be conquered by the Lord and you don't have to walk around with a broken hip in the process of it because you didn't have to wrestle with yourself you didn't have to wrestle with God you didn't have to strive and go through all of those things because you're just fully surrendered so before even now if you're listening to this before you even allow yourself to get to that point take a step back and say you know what fear can't touch me Feeling these feelings can't touch me. They can't conquer me. They can't overcome me. I can't take on the weight of them because God has already done it. God has already conquered me. God has already defeated everything in my life. I'm literally walking in victory. And this is a belief system that you can now adopt. This is a belief system that you can now upgrade. Because when those feelings come, again, like I said before, and they will, you can go, I can't conquer me. Because God already has. And to me, that is so profound. And it is so beautiful because I literally have laid my life down for the Lord. And nothing can touch me. Allow yourself to be conquered by the Lord. And you'll see so much breakthrough in your life. I believe that. I believe that fully. That breakthrough is coming for you. For those who have struggled with what to do with feelings breakthrough is coming for you you know revival is a beautiful move of God but revival also is a man revival is Jesus but also is you revival begins in you and if we want to see revival true revival break out in the world Break out in our families, in our friends, in our cities, in our states, in our regions, in in our nations. If we want to see true revival take place, start with you and start with now. Thank you so much for jumping on this week's podcast. Again, I am always so appreciative that you've taken the time out and given me a listen. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, follow me at Grasping Grace Podcast or find me on Facebook at Grasping Grace. Remember to give this podcast a like and a subscribe, rate it, let me know what you think. And stay tuned. Next week, I'm bringing on my pastor, Chris Allman, and we're going to talk about things that they don't tell you when you become a pastor. So if church leadership is your thing, I think that you should jump on and give it a listen. Remember, stay safe, 
stay blessed. And if no one's told you that they love you yet, remember, I love you.